0: back fans and welcome to the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Migo Provisions Company studios we are part of the believe and buzz radio networks where you can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as the buzz to 1067 so please like rate and review our podcast all live shows are presented by Arkansas Brewing Company in Ozark Arkansas This is Jacob Davis, and tonight I'm the lone host because, once again, Porter Hayes is still in South Carolina. I think he got lost down there while he was covering the women's uh, uh, basketball tournament down there uh, in Greenville. Uh, Tonight I've got Bart Reed with me here. He's a a pure sweat skills uh, basketball training facility here, so we'll have him talk here in just a little bit. Our broadcast is brought to you by Online. They remain your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports, You'll always find the latest odds and team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. They feature live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite leagues and events, head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BLEAV to receive your reward. Bet online where the game starts. Bart, man, uh, glad to have you on oh. tonight. Uh, Thanks, kind bro. of rocky way to end the season. I was hoping not to get you on after a win, but of course, Arkansas fell at home uh, to Kentucky by nine on Saturday. Uh, what were your What was your assessment of the game, Bart? And and what And we'll get into the SEC tournament uh, with their game against Auburn on Thursday night. But first off, I mean, what's going on with the Hawks? Why are they faltering down the stretch?
1: You know, it's really surprising to me because I, I was obviously a big predictor that when Nick Smith came back that things would start clicking and rolling. And when you lose three games to close out the season, obviously, listen, the only reason that we're talking about the Hogs in the NCAA tournament is because you lose to – Net two, net three, and then net 19. Or listen, they're not, we are, we're not putting sub 500 teams in the SEC and the NCAA tournament, or we have not in the past. So, this is really uncharted waters for Coach Musselman and crew. The shot selection against Kentucky was terrible. And so, Kentucky shot better. They were more aggressive. I think they were more hungry for the win. They wanted it more. You could tell from the tip, they were aggressive. Toshibwe was all over the place. Calipari was fired up. So they came in wanting a win. And Arkansas looked very complacent. When you shoot, Jacob, as bad as they shot, and then you go to the free throw line and shoot that bad, and they've shot that bad for three straight games. It's going to be hard to be quality basketball teams such as Kentucky, whether you're at home or on the road.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I've harped on all season long is their inability to shoot free throws consistently. I don't know if I yep. mean you know they practice it. I mean you know it, it's drilled in their head. Hey, we have got to make it. We got to make it. We got to make it. And it's like you know, especially with the one and ones, you miss the front end of the one and one. It's basically you're missing two, and so yeah, it's just, it's frustrating uh, from a fan point of view and from a former basketball player's point of view to to continue to see the the inability to hit the free throws. I mean, Arkansas missed I think either eleven or twelve yesterday. And, and what was the spread of the game? 11 points. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, that, listen, that
1: going into – yeah. It, but the same thing in Alabama. Listen, you you miss nine free throws. You lose by – it's unbelievable. What's harder for, for everybody to understand, this has been the hallmark of Coach Musselman's back-to-back Elite Eight appearances, those guys knock down free throws. And – I don't think it's out of the realm of expectations. You have five-star level athletes on the court. Make free throws, okay? Now, I understand, and a lot of people out there, the time constraints that the coaches have. A lot of these free throw regiments and free throw reps are supposed to be players getting them on their own, but they should be getting them on their own, and they should be knocking them down at home. You cannot miss free throws at home, period.
0: No. No. And a lot of the things, uh, I mean, one of the biggest issues was Devo Davis uh, being uh, ejected during that game. There, there was just, I, wanted, I want to, for, I for fans at home that really didn't understand the difference between the technical foul and the flagrant ones and twos, why Shebway wasn't thrown out earlier, especially for his elbows, and why Devo was thrown out at that point. What, what was the difference for the fans at home to gain perspective of of the rules here uh, as to why she wasn't thrown out at the same time either?
1: Well, so let's say this. So if, without going down the week, those – the referees spent a tremendous amount of time looking at the video. So obviously – and Coach Musselman said after the game, you know, they, they asked that question. He said, I'm not going to comment on refereeing. That's not what we do. So from Devo Davis's perspective, be, let me take up for the kid first and we'll get into the rules. He's drawn the most aggressive defensive matchups all season long. And I think he's laid it out there and done exactly what he was supposed to do. Um, you know, in the heat of the moment, do we need Devo Davis? Yes. The referees lost control of that basketball game. It was out of control from the tip. They had to bring it back in. I would have done everything I could have done, whatever the rule is for the for you, you, you get the back-to-back, you get the flagrant, you're out of the game. Listen, I would have figured a way. To keep Devo Davis in the game, I know you can't bend the rules, but listen, Tashibwe was not that far off from Devo as as the video shows. So, could they make it work? Probably. They looked at the video a long time, Jacob.
0: Oh yeah, it 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 was funny because I was listening to it on the radio too, and you could hear uh, uh, the radio guy. Uh, It was either I can't remember if it was Coach or whether it was Barrett. He said, "Oh, here we go again to for another review. This is probably going to take another 30 minutes." And and really, that that game was so chippy and really, I mean, basketball games shouldn't take longer than 2 hours. Yesterday's game lasted till 3:40. 340. 3:43, I believe. That's a long basketball game, ridiculous. You can't get into a flow of things. But I mean, especially especially when it's a, a game as dire as you as you need it and you in the free throws are so important. Scoring during dead periods where the time is not running on the clock. Arkansas went, let's see here, they were six to nine uh, shooting free throws, and then they somehow got worse in the second half. They went from 66% uh, yep. shooting uh, free throws at the line, went 64, 16 to 25 at the line in the second half. Let's look at some more. I mean, our, obviously, Arkansas has not been a good three point shooting team at all. They got yep. better because. Uh, in the second half, just because it's desperation time. Yeah. What is it going to take going into this SEC tournament? Do they do they need a win? Do what need what do they need to do to get off the eight nine
1: line right now? Well, I think let's say this. I think even if they win, I don't think that they Jacob. I don't, and you might disagree. I don't think they need a win to get to the NCAA tournament. I said that. I think if they win a game, I don't they move off the 8-9 line. I don't think that they have shown enough historical performance over time to warrant anything over than that. I I, I don't see how you justify yeah. that. I think they need to win a game in the, in, in the SEC tournament for their own confidence, and that's just the bottom line. I don't think you roll into the NCAA tournament losing your last four games and feel good about your spot. Now, these guys are young and resilient, but let me say the bad part about that. They hit the wall, too. And what has happened is they have hit the wall. You go play Rick Barnes and Tennessee on the road. Those are grown men. And they're going to thrive and push you around and be physical. And so we look beat up and we look tired. Okay? And so I'm not a big fatigue guy. The minutes that have been there for Nick Smith, Evo Davis, and a lot of these guys, Anthony Black, it's added up. And it's even more than they had last year. Jacob, and we had four players in the top ten in total minutes played in the SEC last year. And these guys, their minutes is up. So, certainly, a little bit of rest will do us great. I think they can bounce back. They have the talent to win. And I can't stress this enough. Trayvon Brazil would have been really nice these last four games, three games.
0: Trevin Brazil would have been excellent to have all season, to be honest yeah. with you. I You know, we talked about it. I mean, obviously, me and you talk and converse at the pharmacy a little bit. But his ability to stretch out the court is it was something that through the first 11, 12 games of the season, Arkansas wasn't struggling with even without Nick Smith. I mean, they were able to yep. get shots off, able to get the four spacing. That's the thing that Musselman has has relied on for so long was being able to uh I think he I think he calls a space or pace and space, you know. And right. and and Brazil was able to stretch out shoot from the from the three. I mean, he was just a dangerous guy. And I and I think it, we underestimated his loss at the beginning of the year uh, before conference play. Because all right, we're gonna we're gonna be all right because I mean, but then you, you just started piling on loss after loss, and then you finally get Nick Smith back, and you think everything is going to be okay. And yes, the floor spacing did get better. It did yep. get better uh, during the state game. It's, there's just shots that just aren't falling. And when you go to a 20 on layups, like there were some shots that Arkansas was missing yesterday from point blank range that usually fall It is like weird clanks off the rim, like weird yep. balances. And you're just thinking, why, why, it, why basketball gods? Are you doing yep. this to us? Like, why, why are you
1: making it so hard on Arkansas? Yeah. And- because. Because Tashibwe, listen, the, the main difference between Kentucky 1 and Kentucky 2 is Mitchell really took it to Tashibwe to at Kentucky. And Tashibwe came in and gave it right back and then some at Fayetteville yesterday. So that was the big difference. And Like you're saying, the inside and interior play. So Trayvon Brazil just being able to give Mitchell a break. And I, maybe he's tired. Maybe he's got some other things. Maybe he's just hit the wall. But that's the big difference in this Arkansas Razorback team besides all the other things. Mitchell's not playing well. Neither one of them playing extremely well, but certainly they had been during the stretches of the season, certainly.
0: Yeah. And then during those losses with A&M and Mississippi State, when Smith was just trying to get back, I really thought Arkansas, you know, they were really improving. They were just right there. I think those two, if if you at least go one and one in those games, I think it really changes out the outcome of later in the season, during that three-game stretch. And really – You know, I never saw Arkansas have to be desperate this year. Uh, I mean, nothing was a given. But being able to see them, they went seven and five down the stretch. And, I mean, it's okay. But I think there's matchup opportunities here in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament for Arkansas to even be a problem. Yeah. I I think you put these teams on a neutral floor. Now, I don't know if Arkansas would have been able to beat Tennessee on a neutral floor but you saw what they did against Alabama on the road uh, against them, and you take that game onto a neutral floor, it may, a different, it may be a different story. I think you take the Kentucky game, put that in on neutral court. I think, I mean, you go five and five every single game. I think you can roll it out there, and, and Arkansas, you know, wins 50% of the games there. Yeah. Against the rest of the SEC, it just shows that Arkansas, in my opinion, I mean, they they, they had that muscleman, that, that classic muscleman deal, where they struggle early and they figure it out later,
1: and this time it happened a little bit too late, <laughs> but almost too late. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, there, But there's no team in the NCAA tournament. Let's let's no. say, take to your point. The number one seeds and number five, they are looking to see where Arkansas is played. There's nobody that wants to see Arkansas in nope. their side of the bracket at a nine or a ten where Lenardi no. has. It's a nightmare because guards win games in the tournament, not big guys, guards. And we have plenty of guards to make a tournament and run. I would not-
0: Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Nope. Uh, but, you know, Houston, Lenardi has – Houston is the number one seed in that bracket. In the past few years, Houston struggles to shoot the basketball, and they still struggle to shoot the basketball. So there, it could be, if Arkansas winds up in that uh, in, in that side of the bracket with Houston, I think it's a favorable matchup for Arkansas, especially if you get out of the 8-9 game with Illinois. And that's who uh, Leonardi has Arkansas projected to play as a 9-seed versus a uh, number 8-seed Illinois. That could be a wild thing because Illinois is dangerous too. They can flat out shoot the rock. When, they, when they're when they on, they are on. And, I mean, I know it's all speculative a little right now, Bart, but, you know, you really want to see – I think Arkansas, if They when they have it going, they have it going when things are clicking. Yep. But, you know, yep. on. To, I don't want to keep you too long, but uh, I know we're going to talk a little bit about Auburn. Uh, give me a couple of uh, minutes about Auburn here. Uh, what do you think about Arkansas matching up with them in uh, in Nashville on Thursday?
1: Well, I think they're going to take it, even though I've said it's, it's not a must win for their NCAA tournament. It's they're gonna treat it like a must-win. I know Nick Smith and I know some of the guys that are out there. They're reading what's going on in the media. They're seeing people write them off. I expect them, and Auburn's a very good matchup for us. They they run a lot of they learn a little bit of zone, a lot of man to man. So they try to push everything. Bruce Pearl's kind of a down angle guy where he likes to make us start our offense and push everything to the corner. Coach Musselman, being an NBA guy, likes to run things from the wing in the corner. So I think it's a favorable matchup for us. I expect Arkansas to come out and play extremely well. The one thing I would give Razorback fans hope, Eric Musselman is the best one-game coach, in, one game coach in the country. He prepares better than anybody. His scouting reports are superb. He uses Second Spectrum, which is an advanced NBA analytics software to, to, to create a scouting plan. Arkansas will be prepared. This is where they're going to earn their money. I think we have a big night against Auburn. and I think we win big. I'm, I'm saying it's a 20-point blowout.
0: Woo man. That man that gives me the uh just it gives me the chills just thinking about it. Yep. Uh before you go, going uh, we did talk about before the show that we're gonna talk about a little bit some recruiting yep. over the past 10 years, maybe the last 12 years, we've seen Arkansas start to churn out consistently big time prospects. We've seen the Nick Smith, we've seen the uh Moses Moody's, uh I mean you've you've helped develop the guys like Daryl Macon, Dusty Hannah's guy. You've had your hand in a bunch of guys. What has gone on in the past decade or so in the state of Arkansas to really elevate Arkansas basketball at the high school level? Yeah,
1: you know Jacob, it's a great question. So Arkansas has always had a rich, what I would call basketball tradition in terms of having really quality teams and quality players. The summertime basketball here with with the people that are involved. We, and it's been on the Nike circuit and Adidas circuit and various other things has really elevated, I think, the play of a lot of our in-state talent. But take it, my example, 1997, I was one of four players that were Division I prospects that signed Division One. We had 16 last year. Like, it's crazy. Like, just think about that. So we had four, none of which were Power Fives in 97. We have 16 what I would call high major. Nobody talks about Keon Williams because he's an Arkansas kid that went to Texas and he signed with Oklahoma State and he's playing like that. That's an Arkansas kid. The talent is so great. And it continues. The 2023 class, Jacob always said this, is a little bit down, especially when you get Lane Blocker yeah. that goes to prep school. But what you get the 22 class, you get right back in the 24 class, which is extremely loaded up with Honor Boateng and a lot, I think, of what I call true pro prospects. But skill development, man, skill work is really the path to success. These guys are getting NBA level workouts at 15 and 16 years old. You can't downplay it. They get the stage. They get the Adidas Circuit. Uh, Bill Ingram has done a great job of and uh, putting top teams on the three SSB. They get recruited. They get scholarships, and they produce. Yeah,
0: and Anor is, is a guy that Musselman in Arkansas is absolutely on. They love him. Uh, I've got a two four seven sports pulled up. That's who I usually use. He's just right out of the five-star rankings there. 6'5", 205 forward is what they have him listed as. Uh, yep. 43rd overall in the nation, number one player in the state of Arkansas. Yep. What What do uh, – as far as recruiting-wise, what do you believe Arkansas where, – where they're at in Boateng's, uh, uh recruiting?
1: I think they've got a huge, huge leg up on Boateng. I think Honor – is a guy that really is going to look at basketball and the academic side. This is a kid who, if you think about this, Jacob, when he walked in the gym the first time with me, he was outside the top 200. They knew who he was. It's the same as Nick Smith when Nick Smith came to Came off the bench in seventh grade. Honor when he's right before his 14. He was going into his 15 year. Nobody knew who he was. So that ranking is you look at his arrow, it's going up. At the Wooten camp, I thought he was one of the top ten players there as a sophomore last year. That's the top 150. That's where they're ranking McDonald's All-Americans, been picking McDonald's All-Americans. He will go back this year. I think the talk of the class in that 2024, he absolutely dominated in the games. Average was one of the only players that averaged a double-double there, over 20 points and 12 rebounds. It's against the best players in the country. So I think it's going to continue to spike up. I think he's a top-10 type player. And I think in the end, he's leaning Arkansas. I don't want to speak for Honor, but certainly he loves Arkansas. He loves what Coach Musselman is doing. Coach Musselman talks the NBA lingo. Guys like Honor Boateng, especially when you look at his body and his freak athleticism, these are NBA targets. He's kind of where Nick Smith was. Doesn't shoot the ball as well, but maybe a little bit better from the physicality standpoint and in the post. So, certainly, I think Arkansas has got a leg up. I think he uh, signs with Arkansas. And I think he'd have a great, probably not one-and-done career, but certainly probably two-and-done. Yeah.
0: And, and this comes from a guy, Bart Reed, who told me everything about Nick Smith when he was in eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like This guy told me, I mean, you you told me uh, five or six years ago that Nick Smith's going to be the best player that ever came out of the state of Arkansas. Yep uh, that he's going to be one of the highest players to ever be drafted out of, out of the state of Arkansas as a Razorback. Like you were, I mean, you were spot on. So honestly, like I will praise you for, for everything, every bit of basketball information that you ever give me. Uh, obviously I was an old one, a boy down there at old union playing (laughs) ball back in the day, but, uh, being able to, you know, that's small ball, but you go to the big, I mean, this is huge. Like you telling me all this, like you, the 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 relationship we developed, and you you telling me like, hey, watch out for this guy. He's gonna be yep. he's gonna be he's gonna be stout. Now, and you told me about Botang maybe one or two years ago, and and now like here he comes. He's rising up. It's yep. great. It's great to know that, and and you being able to. I mean, you've seen the talent. You've seen the talent coming, and and it's still like I, I see you posting on Facebook and Twitter all the time about guys that are in 2027, 2028 kids. Like, this is just
1: nuts. <laughs> it's nuts. Like, Tyrion Burgess is at Benton, and everybody's like, oh, man, Terion's great, but is he Is he really an NBA prospect? I'm like, he's a sophomore. He played this year yeah. sophomore. Like, you have to quantify these things with how young these kids are. He just yes. 15 years old. So, yeah. a- another guy that I think the Hogs will certainly have a leg up on that they're foaming at the mouth. To get this young man because he's got Kevin Garnett written all. Jacob, take it to the bank, buddy. He's got Kevin Garnett written all over him. He, he shoots the basketball better than KG did. Very similar body style. Not as tall, but between him and Honor Boateng, buddy, you got two stars.
0: Man, that's great. Before we get you off here, I know we're a little bit over twenty minutes into the show, but uh, show uh, tell everybody where they can find you, uh, what you do, and uh, we'll get you off here, Bart.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm a uh, you're a sweat skills trainer, and I travel all over. But the majority of my business, we have a private facility in Sheridan, Arkansas. It's HooFy, HooFyAcademy.com. And go check it out. We are we're do a full-service, really customized skill development program. Jacob, and this is how a lot of these kids are getting better, man. We're, we're diving into film. We're doing film edits, and we're designing it specifically to the players. So hufi Academy, it's a private facility, full-service basketball training academy. So check it out. Bart Reed, uh, the Bart Reed on Twitter. And – you see everything there online.
0: All right, Bart, man, you have a good evening. Thank you for coming on. We're going, I'm going to have to have you back on again sometime. Yeah, let's do it again, man. I enjoyed it. All right, buddy, have a good one. Thanks, man. Razorback fans, we're going to go take a break real quick. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to just you know read some, read some, uh, or talk about some of our sponsors, especially on Shelby Taylor Trucking over there in Sheridan, Arkansas. They are the go-to place for all your login needs and equipment needs down there here in South Central Arkansas, Sheridan. Uh, You give them a call, uh, their number's here at the uh, bottom, scrolling. Uh, We're going to talk about McCoy Tiger Drug in Sheridan, Arkansas. They're your one place to go in the South uh, Central Arkansas as well uh, for all your prescription needs. Uh, And they also have tuxedos. They have shirts, any kind of gift. Some rings. Uh, I know they got some guitar strings and it, I mean stuff that you can only imagine. It's all over at McCoy Tiger drug Store at 821 North Rock Street. Give them a call, 870-942-5121. Oh, so man, I know y'all really enjoyed Bart. Uh man, he was he's a he's a great guy. Uh, really great, uh great person to know, a developer of basketball talent, the guy. The guy knows his stuff, and it's just amazing. I mean, before I started doing this, or maybe about the same time I started doing this, he was telling me all about Nick Smith and uh, how he was out of Sylvan Hills, just going to be an incredible player. And I kind of was like, ah, come on, Bart, come on. Bart knows his stuff, guys. I'm going to have him back on. Uh, He is, he is talented. Uh, He is. He's really, really taken off down here in Central Arkansas. If you need anybody as a basketball trainer, hit up Bart. That's who I'm going to send my little girl to one day uh, whenever she's at age. I may send her at five years old. Oh, so let's see here. Arkansas baseball, they swept Wright State this weekend uh, pretty convincingly. I mean, if you ask me, Arkansas was really needing uh, to redeem themselves as a top-ten team in the country. Uh, last weekend, they—I mean, they—they they played good ball. Uh, the pitching's gone on and off. Then we saw Brady Tiger get hurt uh, in Game One uh, last weekend, and I mean that hurt. We thought, "Oh no, not again." We already lost Jackson Wiggins. Oh, here goes Brady Tiger, our our closer, the guy that that could replicate what Kevin Cops was, and then oh no. I mean, you saw the elbow stiffness, the the reaction of it, and I thought, honestly, I thought that we were about to lose Brady Tiger, and that was really going to hurt Arkansas, especially uh, going into tournament play and, and throughout the season. It's like it was going to suffer because this is because Arkansas is already shaky on the mound, and and a lot of that has to do with some of the rules changes that's going on, the the way things have been, uh, the repetitions, the way you trained, uh throughout time, like throughout your time at Arkansas and in, in college ball, yeah, especially it just it's just changed things, especially at the college level. The pitching clock, you've seen how some of the pitching clock has affected games all around the country, especially when uh you've got two outs down and you get the bases loaded and then you have a batter's I mean you're down like in a three two count or something like that and and you get called for the pitch clock. Out number three and ends the game. That stinks, but anyways. But Arkansas ended up losing Brady Tiger for five to six weeks. He'll be back, uh, I mean, probably probably early May, uh, if everything goes out and goes well. Uh, so that's the best case scenario because I was really dreading Arkansas losing him. Anyways, I'm gonna pull up some stats here, uh, man. I was really, I'm really glad Arkansas. I mean, they've they've had a lot of guys come up and and rise to the occasion. I mean, you look at Jace Borfin; uh, he had a huge day, racked up three hits, had a had a homer, a season high three RBIs, and and one thing that I had uh, somebody tell me last year was this Jace Borfin kid. Yeah, he was a uh, he spent one year at Oklahoma. Here he comes to Fayetteville. He's going to just light the world on fire. And and he started some of the season and then was replaced by Webb. And, and he was on and back and forth throughout the lineup. And you're just thinking, man, I thought this guy was going to be an impact. And then, boom, something happened this season. And Jace Borfin has just been phenomenal. But, yeah, the guy really led Arkansas, uh, especially in this game. Uh, Arkansas ended up winning. Uh, against right state and right state's not a powerhouse no by no means they they're just not uh they they fell to two and eight on the season arkansas swept uh them for their first sweep of the season in especially in non-conference play uh arkansas uh let's see here uh arkansas, another stat that uh Oliver Gregg the SID sent me earlier he said uh Arkansas has not lost a home weekend series to a non conference opponent since 2014. Team, that's crazy to me, Razorback fans. If you have any, uh, anything to talk about, if you want to say, uh, uh have any comments or whatever, don't hesitate to leave a comment and we'll read it aloud. We'll talk about it, especially in this last 30 minutes. Because look, I'm doing this show by myself and I'm doing it without Porter, my, my uh, main guy. So if y'all have any kind of comments or anything, just leave them there and we'll talk about anything. Uh but yeah so Hunter Holland uh, he had his uh third start of the season uh this afternoon he uh he pitched a solid 6 innings, one run ball and he earned the win uh the left-hander struck out five, limited right states offense to its one run on five hits and a pair of walks. Uh Holland he boosts his uh, ERA to 2.30, uh has a win-loss record of 2 and 0. Oh. Uh, and now has 14 strikeouts over a team high 15 and two thirds innings. Obviously, he's been a solid starter for Arkansas. Uh, man, you, you lose Jackson Wiggins, and I really thought Arkansas was going to struggle after that. Uh, you you still got several good several guys, and I've seen people comment on Twitter and Facebook like, oh, "I thought this is supposed to be the best uh, best pitching staff that Arkansas's ever had." Look, guys, you 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 don't prepare. You're never prepared to have guys go out, especially when you have your big time ace closer in in uh, Brady Tiger. You lose him for five to six weeks, and then you lose Jackson Wiggins, your your starting pitcher for the season, to Tommy John surgery. You don't you don't expect those. You don't expect those things to happen. It's kind of like Arkansas and their basketball team. You're never prepared to lose any one player. Uh, Will Reed, he says, hopefully pitching doesn't take any more hits. Franks and Franks isn't out long, and that that's right. I mean, it is going to be tough. And, and this pitching, the thing is, like Arkansas's got some live bats. Let's let's not uh, let's not beat around the bush a little bit because this this Arkansas offense is just talented. You've got Cali, you got Jones you've got so many talented swingers. You've got obviously you got Borvin. And these guys have size. They're big time hitters, and I'm really excited to see what they can do. Uh, Caleb Caleb he got his uh, uh, first home run of the season in I think Friday's game. John Bolton. These guys, I mean, they're they're so they're they're big power hitters. And, and then you have Brady Slavins who can hit opposite of, uh, opposite field at, uh, at left. And then you got Jared Wagner. Uh, he has a team leading. Uh, 19 runs batted in this year. Uh, I mean, he his uh RBI, 19th RBI of the season, uh got Arkansas to a four-and-one lead uh before uh, Borfin uh ended up hitting his home run. Uh let's see here. What else do I have to add? Uh, after Holland left, Hunter Holland left, Cody Adcock came in, got his first career save. Uh and let's see here. He struck out one, allowed one run over his first or those two and two thirds innings of work. Obviously, it's uh, it's it's hard to really dictate what Arkansas is able to do, uh, especially uh, during the non-conference play. But taking care of business—that's the one thing that Arkansas uh, has done this year outside of the uh, one lost Eastern Illinois in Game Three last Sunday. Arkansas has been able to kind of stay on top of these these mid-major teams. That's the thing about baseball. Any given day, a, a team can come up and and, and upset you, beat you. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter who you are. anybody is susceptible to losing a game in baseball, and that's just how it works. I mean, some days your bats are hot, some days your pitching's hot, some days your bats can be cold and your pitching's great, and then and then you the other team, you know, I mean, they're just a little bit better. That's just how it works. Just the same way in March Madness, seeing all the upsets. Like that's just how sports works, baseball and basketball. I mean, sometimes it just it doesn't matter. Like these matchups can can uh, can dictate in one game, and that's just how just how baseball is. Arkansas's 18 game home stand at Baum Walker Arena continues this week with a midweek contest against Army, and then Arkansas will host Louisiana Tech, which will be a very good barometer uh, for where Arkansas is at, especially with Louisiana Tech. Arkansas is going to be wanting to come back. After losing uh, at Louisiana Tech uh, last season uh, in a in a three game series, uh, first pitch against Army is at three p.m. on Tuesday, March seventh, and all games will be on the SEC Network. Plus, that will be it for our baseball content. Like uh, like I said, until uh, conference play is when we'll dive deeper into them. Arkansas they Arkansas football begins spring ball this week. What are we looking for? Arkansas fans, leave your comments here. Tell me what you think. I mean, this is this is a huge season for, for Sam Pittman going, going into his fourth year. He's replacing both coordinators. He has a host of new coaches. Uh, you've got uh Morgan Turner at tight ends, you got Travis Williams, defensive coordinator, you got uh Marcus Woodson at defensive back, co-defensive coordinator, you've got uh You've got a new new linebackers coach and and uh, uh, his name's slipping me. Then uh, you got Deron Wilson at secondary. Uh, man, it's just it's going to be interesting. How is how are these guys going to come together as a coaching staff with Jimmy Smith, with uh, Sam Pittman, with uh, Cody Kennedy, the offensive line coach? Arkansas, they I think they've retained enough guys and they brought in enough guys. And, and the one thing. Like, I don't know how young this Arkansas defensive staff or this whole Arkansas staff in general is, but they've got to rival as one of the youngest coaching staffs in all of Power Five, especially in the SEC. Because this, I mean, these guys, there's a lot of them that are under 40 and uh, and that have been highly touted coaches, especially the Marcus Woodson's, who he continues to be on fire uh, in recruiting Uh let me see if I can pull uh, something up real quick. There, there, they have just been on fire. And, and Marcus Woodson, I mean, Arkansas has been on the rise a little bit. And I think the more that they win, the 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 more wins add up. More eight and nine win season. These five star prospects or these top one hundred prospects in the country are going to begin looking at Arkansas in a different light than they ever have before. And yeah, you're going to have to win first, but you got to get these recruits in. And and then once those recruits start flowing in, things are going to change. I read an article by Otis Kirk earlier of, of Arkansas potentially uh, flipping an LSU commit. Xavier Atkins, a guy that Arkansas wasn't even on. I'd never even heard the guy's name. And I'll be honest, all of a sudden Arkansas is just on him and and – like he's a top uh, a, a big time prospect. Arkansas's on uh on multiple guys throughout the country that are looking at Arkansas now because of a Marcus Woodson. That is how big of an addition he is. A guy that was at Florida State comes over, gets promoted to co defensive coordinator, is has been an all time just one of the top recruiters uh in the country. And that's what Arkansas needs to compete in. And 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 Barry Odom, bless his heart. He he's a tremendous X's and O's coach uh, throughout his career, but I don't know if just time has gone on and and he's just kind of lost his lost his mojo as far as coaching defense because he had stout defenses at Memphis and and Mississippi, or, uh, at Missouri, and then even in the one year uh, in twenty twenty one. Arkansas had a tremendous defense, something better than they've really had in a long time. And I don't know what happened. A lot of it had to do with injuries, especially in the secondary, uh, especially losing Buster Brown uh, after 2021. Really hurt him. Losing Grant Morgan and Hayden and Henry, it hurt him. Having Bumper hurt again. The guy that was the uh, uh, all-time tackle leader at the University of Arkansas stays hurt. But he, I mean, Arkansas, I mean, they had their backs against the wall, and they, they had one of the worst defenses on a Power Five, and, and probably one that was worse than a John Chavis or a or a Willie Robinson defense. And the only reason Willie Robinsons weren't uh, worse than what they were is because Bobby Ventrino told him one time, he said, uh, hey, tell you what, I'm going to call the plays the rest of the way. <laughs> And, and, and Bobby Petrino was one of those guys that he didn't give a crap. He wanted to win, and if he didn't think you were doing a good enough job, he's going to take it away from you. He was going to take whatever responsibility you had, He was going to take it from you. And I, and I see that in Sam Pittman, especially on the recruiting side, because if you look at his very first staff at Arkansas, and we all thought, man, this is a really good staff. You bring in a Kendall Browse. You bring in a Barry Odom. You bring in a uh, defensive uh, line coach. That that's been around uh, Kentucky, and now it's floating around the NFL. Uh, you bring in a solid uh, linebackers coach in Ryan Rhodes, who who was one of the best JUCO head coaches in all of college football, and it, and then you move on to the second one, and 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 you replace your defensive line coach with a guy named Jamal Ashley that came from Tulsa, and 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 he wasn't getting it done recruiting. And that's one of the biggest things that Sam Pittman learned under uh, under Kirby Smart at Georgia was if you don't get your guys in there, you're not gonna you're not gonna compete in the SEC. And in Arkansas, they they over they overreached. Maybe they maybe in 2021 they were way ahead of what they were uh, supposed to do, and that maybe gave Arkansas unnecessary or. Uh, preseason expectations to 2022 because i mean even myself i was drinking the kool-aid thing and okay arkansas is bringing back uh a quarterback bringing back some running backs that are great you, you bring in a couple of wide receivers that could possibly replace Traylon burks you get train knocks back at tight end and you have an offensive line that's been experienced has been around each other for for it seems like a hundred years and things just didn't gel and, and that's one thing that Arkansas, I mean, hasn't done in the secondary well enough. Yeah, they've had great players throughout the uh, throughout time, but you ended up having to uh, take a Quincy McAdoo, who is a heck of a, a heck of a cornerback, uh, but you had to take him away from the wide receiver room. You bring him over, and immediately provides an instant impact as a true freshman. Maybe it comes down to. Maybe the guys that were in the defensive back room, uh, the coaches, maybe they weren't looking at their talent and, and properly evaluating them. Maybe they weren't developing them properly, and that's a lot of the a lot of the issue here with Arkansas. You, lo- you lose two leaders in Joe Fouché and and Greg Brooks, and you turn around and you and and you you bring in Dwight White McLaughlin. You lose Ladarius Bishop. Like there was just a lot of things and a lot of issues that went on last year. And that's what Arkansas is having to do. And this is the best recruiting staff that Arkansas has ever had. Uh, if you if you look at it on paper right now, this is the best they've ever had. At every single position, Arkansas has got a recruiter. You look at Morgan Turner, his his ability to send guys in the NFL draft at a tight end, I mean, it's second to none. I don't think you could have found a better uh, tight end coach in the country that's put out, that has a track record of – Developing talent, recruiting talent, and sending them off to the NFL, like like Morgan Turner has. Jimmy Smith, he's developed a solid running game, a guy that has been. He, he has the assistant head co- or associate head coach role now that Barry Odom's gone. Sam Bittman's going to lean on him a little bit more than he ever has before. But Jimmy Smith is churning out guys. You got Scott Fountain. Now I know a lot of people get aggravated about some of the annex that the special teams. Uh, play puts out. But Scott Fountain, terrific recruiter. You don't have him, you don't get Rocket Sanders. You don't have Jimmy Smith, you don't get a Jaden Hazelwood or a uh, AJ Green. Like you, there are so many guys. Like it, it's starting to click, right? It's starting to click. Then you got Kenny Guyton, who's on several bright, big-time wide receivers. And he's bringing in a quarter. Uh, and this is going to be one of the best wide receiver rooms as far as height and, and, and that I've ever seen. Like, this is going to be one of the tallest uh, wide receivers uh, rooms in the country. I mean, you bring in six foot seven room Broden. You bring in uh, six foot five uh, Andrew Armstrong from uh, Texas A&M Commerce. You bring in Isaiah, or uh, sorry, not Isaiah, Isaac uh, Tesla out of Hillsdale College, he's six foot four, 200 something pounds. A guy that specializes in one handed grabs. Like, like there is some excitement starting to chart. And I think he did a really good job of being able to develop some of his guys, especially like a Bryce Stevens or a. Uh, there, there are several names that are uh, Isaiah Satania. Uh, there, there are several names there that are freshmen and sophomores that are ready to get bumped up. Uh, Jaden Wilson's one of those guys. I think this is going to be one of Arkansas's deeper positions. Uh, I know I'm not going to say most talented because I think Arkansas has a, these guys have a lot of room to grow, a lot of room to have to prove themselves. And I think Arkansas is going to have to, have to do that. But I think from a depth standpoint, I think Arkansas has got one of the the best and and tallest rooms in the country. I think they average like six, three and a half. uh, That's what I looked at that uh, about a couple of months ago when they ended up signing Tyrone Broden. So you, you look at the offensive line, and and you got an Elliot Harris, or I'm sorry, a Marion Harris, uh, who uh, who's the son of Elliot Harris, former Razorback defensive lineman. Uh, you get Andrew Chambly, and then you have uh, you have so many guys, and you're losing Ricky Stromberg, who is the anchor your uh, of your offense. But I think the offensive line is going to be bigger and better than they have. Taki Crawford's there. Uh, you got a uh, Devon Manuel who's like six foot nine, three hundred thirty pounds, three hundred forty pounds. Like these, the offensive line that you remember seeing in Arkansas back in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen, uh, being regarded as the biggest offensive line in all of football, it's coming back. And whether it's for the best or whether it's for the worst, I mean, I think Arkansas they're they're bringing in what they want for the power run game. But I'm also seeing, as far as like adding Dan Enos, I think your passing game is going to be able to amp up a little bit, especially with K.J. Jefferson uh, attacking the intermediate side of the field uh, because Arkansas didn't do that under Kendall. It was a lot of uh, throw over the, the top of the defense or you're going to throw three, four-yard slants or you're going to throw uh, a lot of bubble screens. And that's what K.J. Jefferson, I mean, yeah, he, he really uh, excelled at that. But now you get these big targets all over the field. You've got a Luke Kuz who's coming in as a true freshman from Oklahoma who's regarded as one of the best tight end prospects in the country for the 2023 class. And I really think that Arkansas has a chance here to have something like a a very explosive offense if things happen and and if things go right. I think there's absolute optimism for Arkansas fans. I, I, I stay optimistic. But I'm also standoffish too, because you're going to have to take time in the in the uh, passing game to really see things flourish. And I want to see what happens during spring. I want to see the. I want to be able to read the reports and see in the spring game how this offense may look. I'm not going to say will look, but may look, because you know they're going to keep it vanilla, and you're not going to hear as many. Uh, uh, Reports about, oh man, look at, look at how great this offense is. Then you think about on the defensive line and that that's really where, I mean, the portal Arkansas is going to have to, I think get one or two more defensive linemen because uh, Arkansas is going to want to go to a more of a four to five uh, base defense. And that's what Travis Williams is familiar with running at UCF under Gus Malzahn. Uh, so, you, you lose Isaac uh, Nichols, who was an Arkansas native. He goes and transfers to Purdue, uh, but you bring in a guy like a, a John Morgan. Uh, I know we talked about this last week, but let me uh, let me get this pulled up real quick. Uh, Arkansas's uh, twenty twenty three guys here uh, and what they brought in. I know they brought in two defensive linemen. Another guy, his name's slipping right now. Uh, yeah, Trey John Jeffcoat, who was the uh, defensive lineman at Missouri, uh, who who really has played well against Arkansas every single year, it seems like. But Arkansas, they they need they need more defensive linemen, especially with with the uh, employment of what they've got. They're going to go away, thank God, from away from that three man front. The inability to pass rushing. Arkansas did a really good job pass rushing out of that three-man front. But I think once you add four men, you add a little bit more guys to the box, being able to clog the uh, gaps, I think will pay dividends for Arkansas moving forward because this past year it's stunk having to watch a uh, three man three down linemen. You know, obviously you had Drew Sanders to uh, shore up any kind of defensive deficiency because he uh, was one of the best uh Rushing uh, the passer out of linebackers, and he he really uh, upped his stock. I mean, he's still considered a first round linebacker uh, in the NFL draft this year. Arkansas had some talent there, and I just don't think it ever gelled at any point. But Arkansas, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to attack. I think you get one or two more uh, defensive linemen. You bring in linebacker wise. You bring in a. Uh, uh, Antonio Greer from USF and, and I know USF was a one-win team last year under a Jeff Scott uh, who ended up being fired uh, because I mean obviously they weren't winning very many ball games there uh, and Chad Morris was a uh, uh, not an assistant on the team but he was an advisor to uh, to the offense and, and you know you obviously you put uh, Chad Morris anywhere and uh, coaches are going to get fired. He got fired at USF. He got fired at Arkansas, and then he got Gus Malzahn fired at Auburn in 2020. So wherever uh, he, he doesn't have a green thumb of, 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 of record. And I don't have a green thumb either when it comes to uh, uh, planting flowers and, and vegetables either. Everything I touch ended up, ends up dying, and and that's what uh, seems like Chad Morris does at every single stop. Anyway, it's back on to- uh, topic here. Uh you get let's see here Al Walcott, uh safety out of Baylor. and you got Lerando Johnson at cornerback. Those are two huge additions. And, and I don't think you can really underestimate that. And I think Arkansas may have to go and maybe get two or three more guys, uh to to kind of pad that death because that's one thing Arkansas hasn't had over the years is elite death, and that's and that's what they're getting out of Walcott and and Laronda Johnson. Laronda Johnson was an Arkansas target under Chad Morris. Uh, obviously, Morris had a good eye for talent. He just couldn't do anything with him on the field. But uh, yeah, Johnson, Snacks Johnson is what his uh, nickname is Five uh, 5'11, 181 pound uh, defensive back. And then you got Walcott, who's a huge intimidating safety at 6'3, 220. I mean, I would hate to be finding him upfield. But you add Ladarius Bishop back to the fold, and then you have Dwight McLaughlin. You add those two guys in. Um, and then you have uh, Quincy McAdoo. Uh he's coming back for his sophomore season. That's five really good rotational players. I don't know if they keep Hudson Clark in that rotation at safety or they bring him back down a, maybe they put put him at uh uh nickel or something. I mean, for just to kind of keep guys in the open field maybe uh maybe more of a hybrid safety type. I think that would fit Arkansas well. That, that puts like a rotation of six defensive backs consistently on the field at all times. Uh, obviously lose uh, Jalen Catalan and, and Miles Slusher who were two talented uh, safeties back there. But I think Arkansas is going to be all right uh, as far as the defensive backs go. Uh, it's just going to take some time. And, and really, I think if Arkansas, if you can figure out a way to score 40-something points a game, Defensively, if you can just be maybe six or seven points better than what you were last year, it completely flips this season around. Let's go to the uh Razorback schedule, and I and I, I, I hate picking wounds because it hurts. Uh, but let's look back at the 2022 season, and then I'm gonna we're just gonna take a tentative look at the 2023 schedule. You started off the season with Cincinnati, South Carolina, and Missouri State with wins. You lose by two to AM. At one point in the Alabama game, you were down by uh, I think it was was it two points twenty-eight-26 in the in the fourth quarter. Uh there it was a miracle, but it happened. Mississippi State, yeah, you had the backup quarterback. You didn't have KJ Jefferson in that game, lost 40 to 17. Uh BYU, Auburn, and I think Liberty, you you have a healthy defensive backfield and have a, a healthy uh, uh, K.J. Jefferson is a different story. You you have K.J. Jefferson for the LSU game is a different story. Like there's three three games there that were one-position ball games that I think Arkansas should have won. And then you have the Missouri game, that's four. And then I think if you have the Mississippi State game back and you have K.J. Jefferson, it, it's still probably going to be a, a track meet but I think Arkansas, they lose that one close. I had that pegged as a loss uh, all year long. But you switch those four games around and, and say, okay, those four one-possession games, you flip that around, it's obviously a 10-win season, 11-win season, and then you're looking at this thing a whole lot differently. You're you're seeing Arkansas continuing the upper trajectory that we all thought they would uh, going into uh, 2023. This year, you take out the – you take out all the hard non-conference games. You don't have the dangerous Liberty team. You don't have a dangerous Cincinnati team. This year, you start off the season with Western Carolina and Little Rock. You have Kent State on September 9th. Uh, Then you have BYU on uh, September 16th. That's three solid games to start the season. And I think you you end up going maybe 3-0 in that. BYU is always going to be a tough matchup, but I think Arkansas can do it. Then you go... On the road, and this is Arkansas doesn't have a home game from September 23rd until October 21st. Arkansas has to go on the road to LSU, and you know they're going to be loads better—a heck of a lot better than they've been previously. I mean, uh, this—they were—they were a ten-win uh, team this year. I think they—they they either match that or or go past that because Brian Kelly's a heck, heck of a coach, and I commend him for the success. And a lot of people had him pegged as a as a guy that's not going to be able to do anything because he had the luxuries at Notre Dame. The guy was able to win games at Notre Dame without the ability to recruit high-level athletes there consistently. And he was able to win 10 to 12 games there almost annually. Now he he is uncapped recruiting-wise, and he can do whatever the heck he wants there, especially with the NIL. Uh, and, and being able to capitalize on that, I think LSU bounces back this year and – and maybe contends for an SEC championship. Uh, Texas A&M, you get them in Jerry's world. You get Bobby vitrino the Bobby vitrino factor. Jimbo Fisher maybe on the hot seat. This could be his last ditch effort to be able to save his job and his uh, ninety million dollar contract. Uh, then Arkansas has to travel to Ole Miss, to Alabama, and then you get Oklahoma or uh, you get Mississippi State at home. Then you have to go right back to November on November fourth. You got to go at Florida. So it's like you start the season with a bunch of fruitcakes and then you start the season three and Oh, you may be three and one, four and one. I mean, it's going to be hard to beat Ole Miss, maybe forward to uh, lose at Alabama four and three, maybe five and three. If you beat Mississippi state uh, in Fayetteville, and then you got to go to Florida, you had to go to Gainesville. And who knows what Florida is going to be next year at the first week of November. Are they going to be any more improved than they were this season? They're going to be without their starting uh, quarterback and Anthony Richardson. What's Billy Naper going to do with Florida? Then you have Auburn at home, Florida International at home, and then uh, then Missouri at home. I think you have an opportunity here to win nine games in the regular season, maybe at least eight. It's going to be tough, but I'm 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 very hesitant to say say the same thing that I said last year, but you have the best quarterback in the league coming back. You have the second best running back in the league coming back. You have an offensive line that that could be one of the better in the league. You have a wide receiver group. That's on that shows. Nope. That has no, uh, uh, experience really at the power five level, but they have the, the ability. We see them be able to do it on defense. Will Travis Williams be able to implement his scheme? Will he be able to do uh, what's necessary to to improve this team and get them over the hump? I think nine wins is possible, but I'm also thinking, man, you get to that uh, LSU game. Where your where is your head going to be at November fourth after that game? Like you could be, you could be three and six by the time you had to come back to Fayetteville on November, November 11th, or you could be six and three, maybe five and four. Like there's just a wide variety of ways this season could go. But, you know, I'm always optimistic. And I think Arkansas can do this thing. I think they have the ability. Uh, they had the leadership uh, guys like Chris Paul. I didn't even enter. Uh, I didn't even talk about him in the linebacker room, him and, him and uh, Jordan Crook and Andrew Greer, they could be like a three-headed monster in the linebacker room. Like that's what's crazy about this team is yeah, you have the promise and and, and Greer, he's a guy that didn't even play much last year, but twenty twenty one he had a career year with eighty five tackles. He can fly, create turnovers. Uh, I think he could really flourish, and that's one thing that that Arkansas's linebacker room is transitioning to is more of those speedy. Linebackers that can that can get side to side, and and away from the run stuff, or 6'3", 6'4", 230 two hundred thirty pound linebackers, guys that can fly around. And I think Arkansas will be able to do that until they can continue to uh, recruit better. And that's what's crazy to me. You think about some of the success that Arkansas's had at the linebacker room, but yet you haven't been able to really land any four high four star uh, linebackers. You've had the success of a Brooks Ellis. You've had You've had the Grant Morgans, the Bumper Pools, the Drew Sanders, the uh the Scooter Harrises. Like Arkansas has had a run of really great linebacker play. And I think it's going to continue, especially into this year and next year. And and Pooh Paul, he has a great season this year. He could be going to the NFL draft too. He's just he's that good. And you have Jordan Crook and, and uh, Andrew Greer, and he's a guy that could be NFL bound after this year, too. So it's, it's really interesting. I'm ready to see what happens. I know we're not going to see day uh, one of spring practice uh, on Thursday at 345. I really don't think we're going to see much, but I think Arkansas, uh, I think they're going to have a good first day. And I think we're going to be able to hear some promising things, especially from Pittman. We're going to see the install of the offense under Enos, and we're going to see see the install of this 425 defense under under Travis Williams and Charles Woodson, I I'm uh, sorry, uh, uh, not Charles Woodson, Marcus Woodson. So, yeah, a lot of promise here, uh, especially from the Arkansas side. Uh, but, guys, I really appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. It was another good episode. Obviously, I appreciate my friend Bart Reed coming on and, and talking a little bit about basketball and some of the things that uh, he brought up, especially with Boatang and the future of, uh, of the Arkansas High School. Uh, basketball recruiting. I think it's going to be uh, a phenomenal another half decade or so of basketball uh, being played around this state. As always, I'm Jacob Davis. I'm uh, hopefully we'll have, I know we'll have uh, Porter Hayes back next week. Uh, safe travels for him. Guys, you'll have a great week. Go Hogs and thanks for enjoying another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast.